Welcome back everyone to another episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. Last week I stepped away, um, but Amanda, she hosted another returning guest, Heidi Groose. Uh, Amanda and Heidi talked more in depth on ways to step into fear in order to move through powerful personal transformations. And I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to that one and I need to because whenever I hosted Heidi, she was incredible. So I need to go back and if you missed that, you can go back and watch that as well. Uh, This week, we are welcoming Kate Harold. We're going to dive into our, I kind of nutshelled this for us and said the multi-dimensional relationships with money. So we're going to break it down to different different areas of life and how finances and money and just overall wellness all overlap. Uh, Kate has developed a platform on TikTok where she creates content on this topic and we are excited to be her first podcast. So welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Kate, it's good to meet you for the first time. Usually when we have a guest from TikTok, I know them. So it's it's good to meet you. And now I need to go follow you because I haven't had a chance to do that already. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being here again. We appreciate your time anytime, but especially on a Sunday, a day of rest. We appreciate when our guests come um, to, to chat with us. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What's your background? And why this topic today? Yeah, absolutely. So... Kate, I live in Maine with my husband and our chihuahua, and you might hear him. I've tried to keep him quiet. <laughs> um, and I, like so many like Gen Z millennials, downloaded TikTok when the pandemic first started because I thought it was going to be two weeks. Um, that was not the case, <laughs> but actually gained a little bit of a following for just speaking openly about money, um, especially as a woman in your 20s. I feel like I wasn't able to find a lot of outlets that were really shamelessly talking about money so I decided to kind of make my own and just tricks in the trade um that I learned uh and actually I think kind of the first one that blew up for me was things I was too cheap to buy and how I saved a hundred thousand dollars by 24 which I didn't I had like maybe 200 followers at the time and half of them were probably bots but I think it just kind of goes to show like the interest that other young women have and people of color who have been traditionally excluded from these conversations like they want people want to know about money people want to know how other people spend money and so now gosh it's like almost two years later it's it's been a great ride so far and I have a day job well actually my last day was Friday I had a day job in, in kind of venture capital and finance and so that gave me a little bit more background so just kind of wanted to share what I knew and I, when you said that, like, people are so interested in, this isn't like a talking point, but how people in their relationships with money, like, it's so mm-hmm. intriguing and you hear different, you know, and obviously so many factors, we, we, I could scroll off for days, different factors that go into what shapes our relationships with money. But I remember watching those because, and my husband was like, of course you follow her because you're cheap too. And I'm like, you know everybody's relation how different him and I are and I know we're going to get into like money and relationships in a little bit but but yeah whenever I'm I'm sure you know as soon as you started making that content everybody was like finally somebody so nosy about other people's too (laughs) we're like maybe if I do it I can learn about other people (laughs) yes 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 so much so before we get into those like pretty specific talking points um I think maybe dump into more of a broad one and speaking from your perspective, how 
how money relates to mental health or at least how it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm an anxious person. I am a perfectionist person. So I've honestly had anxiety my whole life. And I think for me, that is evident in the way that I save my money just, and I think it can kind of go two ways on a spectrum and I go the saver route. But for me, it's like having money is stability, knowing that like if something anxiety inducing happened to me or some disaster happened to me, I would have this little nest egg to fall back on. And so I think that really drove, especially early off when I had no money and I was just starting off, like that was what I was working towards. Whereas I think, you know, a lot of uh, people can go the other direction and say, hey, this is a, a fleeting resource. I should just enjoy it now. Like the future gives me way too much anxiety to plan. So I can't think about it. And then kind of focusing more on that instant gratification. And I think it's not so not necessarily something that we talk about. And personally, I'm on um, kind of this ADHD journey of going through the process of getting a diagnosis for that. And two, so many of the symptoms there can relate to money and how you spend money. And are you someone who just dives into a new hobby and then will throw $500 at it? And and so I think... Amanda, is that you? <laughs> I'm late diagnosis ADHD club too. Uh, uh-huh. So money for me. And we actually, the one other person who I will say is like amazing in this area, as far as like people I know and have encountered in my mm-hmm. limited life is Mary Bicknell. And we've done a couple episodes with her and she is very much like, we have to talk about money. Like there is no talking about money. Like women, you have to get confident. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm channeling my inner Mary Bicknell. <laughs> awesome. But I remember when she came on, I was like, I like money stresses me out. Money gives me anxiety. Mm -hmm. Thinking about budgeting numbers, like I, my brain just like shuts down. Right. Right. And it's so much more than like, uh, it's so much more than like an ignorance or a lack of desire. It's like my brain can't, my executive functioning is like, nope, that's not interesting. It's boring. Bye-bye. Yep. Yeah. And if it's never been explained, I feel like the way that money is explained is so often targeted at like white men and if it's and if and even if you fall even a little bit like outside of the neurotypical kind of brain function it's never been explained in a palatable way that could really make someone without that background or a different background understand and understand it well and how can I help people you know who who are in a very similar situation as me and didn't grow up so my parents were both um CPAs the certified public accountants so I grew up like this and so that was such a privilege if I didn't have that as my background where would I have learned this and and looking back there aren't a lot of places that someone could so kind of being forced to not only rely on like the mental health of your parents and how that translates to the mental health of you but then also kind of their financial habits and how that so strongly molds like the idea and the relationship that you have with money so it's such a I think it's such a there's so many facets of that conversation because you're going to have, you're going to have to battle through these relationships that maybe you saw growing up both mentally and fiscally and, and kind of what does that mean? So personally, I was so, so lucky to have a really like parents with really healthy relationship and a really healthy relationship with money. So it was more kind of my own anxiety playing through imposter syndrome and anxiety and will I ever be good enough to save a lot of money or will I ever be able to retire? Will the world be on fire? That's another one. And that one I'm honestly not sure about. Um, but that's kind of like 
my personal relationship with money is is battling that that anxious sense for need for stability but at the same time kind of this almost like compulsion to want to spend on something new if that makes sense Yeah. And I think whether it's like ADHD or a trauma history or anxiety, Mm -hmm. like this literally just happened yesterday. We went, um, Kate, you're in Maine. So I'm not sure if you know about this. Kelsey probably knows. Um, Jungle Gyms is like this giant international market in Cincinnati, Ohio. Brad yesterday that we needed to go. He's like in the living room. So he's probably going to like hear me because I'm like, I yell when I talk, but he's going to, we literally talked about it yesterday. Yeah, so my parents, like, talk up this place, and we had to go to Cincinnati mm-hmm. to see a friend anyway, and we're, like, we're going to stop by, and he, we get in there, and so a lot of the work I do mental health-wise and as far as therapy is inner child work, and we mm-hmm. immediately walk in, and there's, like, this toy section, and just all sorts of toys, so, like, our inner child, we're just, like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool, this is awesome, and he finds something, and he's, like, oh, I want this one, and I want this one, oh, but this, then they have this one, and he's, like, racking them up in his hands, and then mm-hmm. he's, like, okay, wait a minute, hold on, they're this much each, and, like, l- let me tell you, like, the money part was not an issue, mm-hmm. like, he could have bought all of them without a problem, it was the guilt, and the, right. should I be, like, the internal messages from childhood, and not having, like, a strong financial upbringing, right, like, mm-hmm. both of us were raised by single parents, so mm-hmm. with a relationship we knew with money was either we didn't really talk about money, or we didn't have enough, right, right. So that's just the way that that narrative plays into your daily life. And then I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Kelsey, I think you were going to say something too. Um, semi-unrelated, but I was going to say how much I like, I aligned with you and like your relationship mm-hmm. with money. But then also I have to point out now that I like have you in the flesh, how much, how grateful I am that you talk about your own privilege and, you know, the oppression of, you know, minorities and things like mm-hmm. that and saying like, because you see so many people make content out there and then mm-hmm. is it palatable? Yes, but there's very clearly like nuances and things in there. And then other people are consuming this and they're like, mm-hmm. why isn't it, why doesn't it look like this for me? Or why can't I, you know, do, do it like that, you know, right. but thank you so much for oh, like, I mean, it's, and I, I, I faced some resistant in the past for just saying like hey if you're minimizing your accomplishments and I don't I, I think it's I think look at it as just telling the full story like if I said that I crossed the ocean by myself but I didn't tell you that I used a boat like it's not the full story and so if, if I I don't know I think I would never want someone to look at the situation that I created for myself and say why why not me and it's because because I was born on third base, right? So if I hit a home run and I was born on third base, it's a little bit different. Um, so I can only share things that helped me. And I still worked very hard, but it's I didn't face the problems and kind of the road bumps along the way that I, I would have faced um, had I not been born into a privileged, like both educationally and then emotionally healthy parent-like family. Yeah, that intersectionality is so important to talk about. And and I appreciate that too, because regardless of the topic, regardless yeah. of your background, you have a platform out there. And I think everyone has a responsibility to educate themselves on that and speak on that so that we're not leaving people feeling left out, feeling like they're right. internalizing. Like you said, like, why can't I do that? Or what's wrong mm-hmm. with 
I can't do that. Or like that's so outside of what I could even remotely do that now mm-hmm. I'm just depressed and beating myself up and that's what I should be doing, right? That compare and mm-hmm. despair. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I, I get so upset when I see like other content creators in a similar space like selling online courses saying this is all you need and it kind of just seems like without acknowledging that like hey I have a dress fund not that I do but like in that case and it um it just it's like that it just seems to me like they are being able to manipulate these people who want to be in a similar situation so bad and profiting off of it and I I don't know I think that's like within the the content creator space especially with women in finance that's like my one thing where I'm like we cannot do this anymore Okay, so I kind of started to allude to it um, when I was talking about my husband, but yeah, how do you see um, the interaction or what do you have to say about that with as far as money and like intimate or romantic relationships? Yeah, so uh, so I've been married eight months, so I cannot give marriage advice <laughs> at this point, but my husband and I had been together on and off for nine years um, before we got married and so I, I, I grew up with him, for a lack of a better term. Like, we both went to the same high school. And so we've kind of always known each other's habits to a certain extent. And honestly, both in high school, we took the same class, a personal finance class. And looking back, like, I don't think a lot of schools have it. But we, like, learned budgeting and um, alluded to, like, how you'll need to save for retirement. And we both, like, 10 years later, attribute a lot of our, like, success to learning those skills. And um, but we've always both kind of been savers, especially as we, we you know, grew up and graduated college. So I got so lucky where we're both on a very similar page. And I think, you know, we have never, I think the most important thing is we've never used money as something that we like use in fights. Like it's never been like, oh, well you spent on this or you spent on that. Like it is merely a means to an end. Like we need to buy food, we use money. Um, and it's never something we've held over each other. It's never been something we fight over. And I think just really like before we got married, sitting down and laying out like, here are our plans for the future. Here is how we like to spend money. You know, what is the amount of money that we don't, that we think we should consult the other person before we spend? And we actually used YNAB at the time. So it's SAP, you need a budget. And so all of our finances go to one spot. And not that we're in there, you know, checking like, oh, why did he spend, you know, twelve dollars at Chipotle? But it's it's able to give us a full holistic picture and a and hold us accountable to each other, but then also to ourselves. I'm like, is this something that's helping us, like, as a family financially or not? So we've always been really open about it. Like, it was never taboo to say how much are you making, or even before we got married, like how much money do you have or do you have debt or what's your credit score like like and and honestly like being together so young we 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 went through a lot of those like new chapters together and establishing all that together so it wasn't like we met at 30 and he had had this whole financial past um and so I think like we just try to be really open with it and just like attach no moral value to it like it is just a thing that we go to work and we make and we're lucky where we make very similar amounts. So it isn't, we don't have a kind of the relationship where someone makes significantly more and kind of takes a, a provider role. We approach it as like a true partnership. It's like, we are both out working to bring in money to benefit our family. Um, 
and so that you know we we just look at it as like a true partnership and I think having witnessed you know relationships that maybe were really strongly affected by their relationships with money trying to be really proactive on on taking care of the way that we view money it's the most common reason people divorce um and I was always curious kind of why is that yes and I my brain like latched onto Mm -hmm. I love that you have that framework of like, it doesn't have moral character, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, value. It's, Mm -hmm. I teach that I do a lot of, you know, intuitive um, relationships or neutrality around body and food Mm -hmm. in my clinical work. So I literally seen this kind of come Mm -hmm. and like be the lens that you're describing how you and your husband view money. Like this is Mm -hmm. just, this is a commodity, you know, that we mm-hmm. use exchange for survival. Right. Yeah. Right. And Love we're that. both like fairly plain people. Like we, we don't own luxury items. Like we're just not like we're from the Midwest. We don't care as much. Like, so we've never been like huge spenders. Like, oh, I want this really fancy bag or I want to drive this fancy car. Like we're very, very content kind of living at that same level of comfort for us. Like, to us, like a great life looks very similar. And, and so I think that's that's great. Like not one of us is striving for a significantly different level of living than the other. And you know, we make those large decisions together. And I think once we got engaged in a little bit before, just kind of approaching ever, everything is like, how are we going to handle this? Or when looking at new jobs, like, is this good for us versus like, is this good for me? And I think that helps. But I mean, I've been married eight months, so I can't speak to the volumes of <laughs> of marriage and money yet. But that's, you know, we're just trying to be open about it. And and I think, too, like with coming from the Midwest and, and I'm sure this is very similar everywhere, like not, people didn't really talk about money. So like we didn't know how other like couples handle their finances. So now we're kind of asking our friends, like, what do you guys do? Like just out of one curiosity, but two, like there isn't like we were never taught like here's how you should do it. Like I asked my parents how they split money and you just kind of have to make your own way. It seems like you don't really have this this manual to go off of. I feel like if I look back at my own, you know, upbringing, you know, my mom, we self-disclosure, like had me when she was got pregnant, when she was 15, had me at 16. Mm-hmm. And it was like and then evolutionary, you know, as I aged, they, you know, my families had developed new relationships. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in my family, money was only talked about if it was out of anger. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and now for me, it's like, I obviously don't, I have, you know, break that cycle and, and all of right. those, things. but it's like, yeah, if it was talked about, it was very, very um, unpleasantly or unhelpfully emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. Right, which like, how do you unlearn that as you grow up? You know, it's so hard. Yeah, and uh, there's a couple things. So um, kudos to wherever you went to school. Because <laughs> I always give grace to people as far as our mental health, like all the oh. things that we're taught in school, like algebra and chemistry. And I don't, I don't even remember any of the things I was taught, but like there's mm-hmm. no emotional regulation. There's no stress management. There's no effective communication and there's no budgeting finance. I mean, apparently there is some places, but I didn't have that. And I don't know yeah. anyone that did unless they went to like a private school mm-hmm. or a more elite quote unquote school where that was focused on. But so kudos to your school for that. But I usually mm-hmm. validate for people. And then we don't have that information. We don't know what we don't mm-hmm. know. 
we have our own mental health things. We have our own adverse childhood experiences. We have our own intimate relationship, you know, narratives we've created. And then here comes this thing of money and it becomes a tool that we can use against each other, unfortunately, because we don't know how to manage our emotions. We don't know how to effectively communicate. Right. And so it becomes mm-hmm. this it becomes, like I said, like a tool to be able to use against each other because you don't have any other frame of reference. Right. Absolutely. And and if you don't set ground rules, like like my husband and I, we don't raise our voice to each other. We don't ever call each other names and we don't ever fight about money. Like, like we have these like ground rules to help. Like these are things that are off limits. If we're bickering, these do not ever. And I think, you know, that can prevent like further escalation, but it's like, if you don't sit down with your partner and establish like here's the page I'm on. Where are you? Like, are we in the same chapter at all? And like, how do we even like move our life forward together, especially if one's a saver and one's a spender? Like, I think it's just so, it's so important, especially like prior to getting into a serious relationship or marriage, even like, like sitting down and and examining that just as like you talk about, do you want kids or not? Like it is such a holistic picture of what your life is going to look like. It is such an important thing not necessarily that like you need to have a lot of money, but you need to agree on how you're going to spend that limited resource that you do have. It's like in my own work, and I know, man, we both do a lot of this, and uh, but I feel like it falls into a very broad and, like you said, important conversation about uh, values, like core values. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, about the time I start talking, I get a tickle in my throat. Um, <coughs> But what do those look like for each of us? And how do we kind of, you know, coexist, not just like in a, but like in a loving, you know, Mm -hmm. functional serving way Mm -hmm. and mutual respect. Mm -hmm. We raise voices as soon as we, you know, start yelling, calling names. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. We lose respect. I'm going to drink well it's like some level of like you know there's like here's me with my little inner child but like our little inner child is like I don't know that's scary I don't want to talk about that no one ever talked about that or when that was talked about they were fighting so Mm -hmm. like no let's not talk about it or this is how I'm going to yell at you about it because that's what I was modeled with right so yeah absolutely I completely agree Kels yeah and Okay, another talking point, and I was excited for this one, was uh, might have to have Amanda ask you if I can't stop coughing. <clears throat> Any benefits and tips, like, as a young person that you have came across in your journey or that you would like to pass on to people as far as retirement planning, kind of planning for retirement young? Yeah, so I'm, like, the kind of, like, the old person within my friend group. I'm like, did you guys set up your Roth IRAs? And they're like, please be quiet. Um, so I read the defining decade when I graduated college and I graduated college one year early. So all my friends were finishing their senior years. And so I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing in adulthood in general, especially with kind of retirement savings. Um, my parents had kind of given me some tips on like, Hey, like obviously do at least your employer match in, um, whatever program they're sponsoring and mine did a 401k and set up that Roth IRA. But then from there, it was kind of like, well, what does that mean? Like, where do I invest it? What does that look like? Um, And so I started out making a very average salary and kind of as my career has progressed, what I've done, and this is, I guess, a general savings tip for that can kind of funnel into retirement is I've never adjusted the amount that goes into my checking account. So when I was making like a third of what I do now, I was living off of 
that same amount in my checking account. So every time I got a raise, I was able to go into kind of like our um, employee resource site and just allocate that to a high yield savings account. So my checking account, what I lived off, never changed. And so then able to like just send that money directly either into my Roth. So, you know, when it was $6,000 a year, just putting $500 a month that I never saw. And so I never had had the need to spend. But um, I think just in general, like the earlier you can start, the better. It, even starting at 21 versus 31 can double the money that you're saving. So even if it's just a little bit, I know everyone comes from different experiences and they might be uh, supporting other family members or paying off student loans. Like everyone's situation is very different. But if that's something especially just when you're young, you can really focus on. Um, then you don't have to focus on later. Like you'll never be able to play catch up. And my uncle once told me, and for some reason this stuck with me, like future you will not care that you bought that t-shirt that's now out of style. But like future you will thank you for putting a hundred dollars in like your Roth. Um, and so I try to live like that. Like if I can look at this as a self-care, like way to help future me, absolutely. But I would definitely say like, Start as early as you can, even if it's just a little bit. Um, obviously, if you're able to and your employer, let's say, matches 3%, put at least 3% in whatever employer-sponsored plan that is. And then try not to give too much into kind of like your cost of living inflation or what should I say, like your lifestyle inflation. Like if you become accustomed to nicer things, then that's going to cost more. So as you're making more money and if you're able to kind of move up that ladder, really be strategic in how you're continuing to allocate your paycheck. I had all of like my 401k stuff taken out before I ever saw my paycheck. So I never, never saw like the full amount of what it should be. And I was just used to that. And I think that was so helpful. But I read the book, The Automatic Millionaire too, which I would like recommend if you have no idea kind of where you're starting out, you're young and you don't, you know, maybe have never even talked about money or retirement savings. It lays it out really easily. So like that, I should honestly... They, it's not sponsored, but if they ever want to, like The Automatic Millionaire and The Defining Decade are two books that I think really made my 20s like significantly easier because I could kind of just set up this plan, set it and forget it and just go on with my life. Kelsey and I are rapid. So Kelsey and I share a Google Doc for podcasts for anybody that doesn't know that. It's like to keep our talking points and we are rapid fire. Like both of us at the same time, we're adding bullets and we're like the automatic <laughs> LOL. She's probably like, they're literally texting while she, they're talking. <laughs> no. Yeah. And <laughs> also talk to your friends about what they make. So listen, like, I have to say that I, it is. So my mom kind of gave me similar tips. Like mm -hmm. her very first one was like, Hey, you need to establish credit. So like when you start getting all these offers at 18, like just pick one. Um, mm -hmm. And only use it for gas and pay it off every month. That way you can build up credit. Or whenever you have the opportunity, if you have an employer that matches, literally, even if it's $25 a pay, like mm -hmm. just put something in there, right? Um, and that's fantastic. But I do want to make sure that we address, like, what about the folks that are just trying to get by? Like, what about the folks right. that are working in places where they're not going to have an opportunity to have a 401k where the employer matches? Like, do you have any mm -hmm. tips for those folks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a, a couple different paths you can take it and, and having the privilege of never being in that situation. So just kind of really hypothetically, um, looking at long-term career growth, like is this, is the spot that you're currently in a spot that like you see yourself in the rest of your 
life or are you kind of pursuing education to maybe work somewhere with a 401k? Although some people like want to work in industries where that's just not standard or kind of work for themselves or have P1099s. And so that's totally different. But if you are a 1099 or you don't have um, this employer sponsored sponsored savings plan, you can look at like an IRA option. A Roth IRA is really nice because it's not tied to any employer. Um, and I believe it was $6,000 last year. I think it might go up to 6,500 this year. But in terms of people just getting by, I would just kind of say like, even if you can look at that budget, like really carefully, and I don't think budget should be restrictive necessarily, but it, it's empowering to know where your money goes. Um, and look like, is all of this money allocated, like how the best it should be? Like, is there anything he, that I'm looking at kind of at the end of the month, like kind of like, uh, I maybe shouldn't have done that. And in the future, could I allocate that money, even if it's legitimately $20 a month that just automatically goes into a different savings account? Or am I able to, to just look ahead to pursue things that could be more profitable down the road? And, you know, that's really not a possibility for everyone. But I think just looking in really small and minuscule actions that you can take that will down the road kind of have this larger effect. So even putting $20 a week away now, like 50 years down the road, that's going to be a significant amount of money. And I know people are struggling to get by and we're facing inflation. So, you know, if even if you can just invest a little bit and I choose kind of mutual funds, I'm more of a conservative investor myself and not in a place to give financial advice, but just even putting a little bit in there, I think can make a really big difference and kind of taking a very long view and kind of a very delayed gratification type view on what can I do now, even if it's extremely small and I'm struggling to do it, that could make a, you know, a significant payoff later. Yeah, I think, oh, God. Um, I was just going to say that I like how you, I like your frame of reference or like your perception of a budget, because I feel like mm -hmm. just as soon as we hear the word budget, like it can stir mm -hmm. up so many. Yeah, like the, right. Nope, we don't do that. I don't do that. Every time we do that, people are like borderline flipping tables. Like we're not. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> or it's just scary. It's intimidating. Like, mm -hmm. and to get a grasp on, like, I like how obviously not everybody's in our positions, all all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can, what is, what's the bottom line that I need to live and, mm -hmm. and then move from there to what things do I not necessarily need to live, but I, you know, mm -hmm. it's a, you know, a, a perk or something mm -hmm. extra, but I love like, yeah, focusing on where your money's going and what are, what's the bottom line. And if I'm simply just making it or barely making it on my bottom line of I'm making in order to survive, right. um, that's okay. And not guilting and, and shaming ourselves. And there is a moment maybe you do get um, some kind of holiday bonus or mm -hmm. something. Because I feel like two people, I'm all over the place, but in my area, I'm like Midwest, we're in Ohio, but I'm very like Southeastern, rural, a lot of mm -hmm. poverty. So as soon as people get what is perceived as money, like mm -hmm. real money, you hear people call mm -hmm. it, um, it's like, all right, you're programmed to be like, okay, what can I buy for myself? Because I can never use that. Right. And it's like, how can I, you know, put, like we said, $50 out of mm -hmm. an income tax return or a holiday bonus into something that will take care of your future 
long-term self because uh, not many people in my own family or in my neighborhood probably have um, a retirement account. It's like mm-hmm. we're banking on social security and that's about it. So it's like, yeah, every little bit helps. Don't guilt yourself and think about your long-term self, even if you are just surviving right now. Right. And ask for help too. And I think it's, it's, it can be hard to determine like where you can get that help, help, especially like depending on the situation that you grew up in. But I think taking the stigma and the shame of money, like we aren't born knowing how to handle money. That's not instinctual. Like, where are you going to learn it? And if you don't know how, and that really is a stressor for you and you're nervous, like seek help. And whether that is like kind of doing your own research online or you know, and, and try and vet it very, like there are a lot of people that will try and take advantage of you. And so it can be really hard to say, hey, can, where can I get financial resources? And where can I get information? Um, but, you know, it's okay not to know. Like where, you know, where do people learn? And how can we help them learn? And where can you provide a platform or, or a place where you can talk openly and without stigma? Because there's no reason to. And other cultures will use kind of a different tense when they're talking about money. It's like a different tense of words. And like speaking of it more futuristically, like they're saving more futurally. Well, where we tend to focus very specifically on the now and kind of that instant gratification. And I think just dissecting too from like a really wide anthropological like view, why is that? And how are cultures looking so differently at money? So I think definitely just being very open about it. Talk with your friends about how much like they make if they're comfortable sharing. And even if you know you want to know like what your coworkers make. And I, I think traditionally like women and people of the color and people of color are people who benefit from these conversations. And traditionally people in power have not reflected that. And, and so they're hesitant to have those conversations. But I think it only, you know, can help other people if you're really open and saying, hey, like I'm I'm here for you. I'm happy to be a resource. I'm happy to bounce ideas off of. Like I don't have all the answers. I still don't know. Like I think every adult is faking it. Like none of us know what's actually going on. Um but kind of like we're in this together. We're gonna figure this out together. Like we're not probably gonna do it perfectly. But even again, like if we're just doing little things to help future us, I think that makes all the difference. I really appreciate you saying that perspective because it makes me think, um, so there's this, um, I'm pretty sure it's nationwide, training program, words are hard for me at the moment, but it's called Bridges Out of Poverty. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went went through the whole training and um, then I ended up like continuing and like purposefully befriending someone that was Mm -hmm. in poverty and working on getting out of poverty to help them like, you know, with some of the mindsets and things that I had been taught Mm -hmm. being lower middle class not that far from right (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but like a lot of that taught like how you know different concepts as far as money or um the way we communicate but money was one of them and it was like for those in wealth money is something that you put away and it goes Mm -hmm. to trust funds for your kids right right and then middle class is like all right um we're gonna save a little bit but we're also gonna spend right we're gonna like have Mm -hmm. nice things now and poverty is like if I don't spend this right now, I'm gonna, um, it's gonna get taken away from me, right? Like mm-hmm. whether that's outstanding bills or I'm gonna get robbed or like, mm-hmm. right, I don't ever have this concept of money like Kelsey was saying. So I think that's really important to view like, wait, given the way I was brought up, that makes sense that that's right. how I me, but how do I get to a different thought process about it? Or and the scarcity other, mindset. Yeah, scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. 
And then the other thing that came to mind is how simple it was for me because the way my brain works. When my employer was like, hey, fill out this thing. How much money do you want to come out of your account? Boom. Okay, done. And they just, like you said, they just automatically put it there. Then I was like, bye, employers. I'm going to go work for myself. And I don't know how many years later, but I have yet to because it gives me anxiety and stresses me out every time I go to log in to where my money is and I can't like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, now I got to call someone and I got to figure out how do I contribute? Where does the money come from? How do I get it there? That like, I don't know how many years later, I'm still just like, well, I have that little nest egg from when someone was helping me with it. So just to validate Mm -hmm. people, like even for somebody that was consistently doing that early on, it's a Mm -hmm. challenge. You have to learn to come up with your own systems and right. Right. Yeah. And I think everyone kind of has their their own equivalent whether it's money or not like I really struggle to make appointments like the dentist like very simple simple things for me like give me that anxiety of like oh my god I can't do it where it's like oh I'm happy to like do very financially like complex things like everyone has those like little things that give them anxiety and and I think for a lot of people it is money so how can we together overcome it or give people platforms or situations that diffuse some of that anxiety and make it a lot easier, especially for people who are, who are doing this for their first time, often alone. Yeah. And I appreciate your cautionary warning of people being predatory because what do we know about places of poverty, impoverished areas? There's loan, payday mm-hmm. loan places on every corner and people, you know, convincing you that they can make you money or get money or we can, you know, buy your house fast or whatever that looks right. like. So, like you said, vetting your resources, but there are so many valuable content creators, mm-hmm. free resources, your library, um, in your community, depending on how resource rich it is, as far as social services, there's a lot of social service agencies that mm-hmm. offer financial literacy courses, budgeting, those kind of things like your urban leagues. And mm-hmm. now, now I'm like going into social work mode, but there are options out there where they won't be predatory. Um, and right. you know, you can find those resources in your community. Absolutely. And I think too, just like, is this someone that's making money off of me not knowing? Like this, and if it sounds too good to be true, it is absolutely. Like there is no way to cheat the system. Like I I feel like everyone's trying to advertise like, oh, make money really quick. Like overall in the whole scheme of your life, like there is really not a way to cheat the system. So just like put a little away, but it's so hard to know. How would you know? I feel like the, the, the avenues to go where like you get legitimate vetted reliable valid um support or like perceived as the most complex or the most intimidating Mm -hmm. like i remember whenever i became self-employed and if it weren't for my grandparents and you know like a Mm -hmm. handful of people in my, my life that was so anxiety provoking for me to like, it was my very beginning of TikTok and I made like a series about it. So, so intimidating mm-hmm. uh, to like find a financial advice, just the words right. sound intimidating. I was like, and then people are talking to you about terminology that you don't know. And I feel like it's left mm-hmm. so intimidating and complex on purpose. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Like they're using the jargon because they know you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just like nutrition labels on food or, you know, they're all kind of legal contracts. You're like, what are you even saying to me? I don't know what I'm signing, but okay. And if I can't understand that, like somebody that has less education opportunity than I is like just signing their life away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We go off on a tangent about all of these. So many things that I feel like are set up to keep people kind of stuck, oppressed. And Mm -hmm. that sounds awful. And I want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but I feel like thing and if you don't have those connections or 
if you're not allowing yourself to, you know, educate yourself, but also reach out for that support. And I think in my town, there was one little tiny office with like one financial advisor who's there is at that office for like two days a week. So it's like, uh, where do I go? What do I and do? then everyone that you're surrounded with has the same scarcity exactly. mindset, tyranny of the mm-hmm. moment, spend the money right now. We don't know what else to do with it. We don't know how to save. So it's like, yeah. Oh, this is so good. Can we have you back again? Can we make this a seat? Yeah. Every time we have someone, I'm like, can you just like keep coming back and talking about this conversation? I oh think God, Kate needs to write her own book. Like, No, yeah. I would never be able to like actually sit down and focus and do it. I have podcasts. Like, oh, well, you have your TikTok, so there's that. It's good because I can do that in like one minute. I'm like yeah. that. Focus on that. Done. Okay. Like, because I'm I'm all over the place, which is really great for some some things. Like, I'm really interested in certain things, but it's like okay, here's like my one minute of really focused thoughts, and then it's like okay, I'm like looking outside now. Okay, I can so scroll like, off now. I did it. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, thank you so much for being here. I'm glad we met. Um, I will need to follow you. So where can our listeners find you? Yeah, I'm not, okay, I got married last year. I'm changing my name. So my platforms are really, I'm, it's, I'm working on it. But um, <laughs> on Instagram, at Kate Watry, or LinkedIn, TikTok, all will kind of link from there. Okay. And any last minute pieces of advice, a mantra, anything to sum up to leave with our guests today or our audience today? I would just say, like, be really kind to yourself and, like, give yourself a lot of grace, especially in the money situation. Like, the economy is crazy. Like, inflation is nuts. It's confusing. University costs way too much. Like, we're going through it. Healthcare is absurd. Like, if it if it is too much for you, that's okay. Like, that's fine. Like, give yourself some grace on that. It's not going to feel like it makes sense for a while, but just take little steps. Because my, my dad always said, like, life is full of a thousand little choices. Like, you're never going to do one big thing. You're going to do a thousand little things. So just try and make good choices <laughs> and, like, financially sound choices. But it's okay. And everything's reversible other than a child. You can't hand them back usually. <laughs> but, like, if you don't like where you're at, like, try and change it. You can move anywhere. You can do anything don't care what other people think but that's kind of like me getting on like my old man soapbox of like well when I was young but (laughs) yeah no yeah let me go downstairs and grab my six-month-old and be like you know what let's just get back let's just you're a lot right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah I appreciate that too of like the grace because we talk about that all Mm -hmm. the time like the world is cray y'all the world, like you said at the beginning, is the world going to be on fire? I don't know. Is it already? Like, honestly. Yeah. Are we just like, oh, it's kind of warm in here. <laughs> yeah. I love when you said like none, none of us. I don't care how good, how much you look like, you know, everything on the outside. We don't. I say that to my clients all the time. I'm like, we are all children running around in adult bodies, pretending mm-hmm. like we know what we're doing and that we're adults, but nobody knows. Nobody knows. And anytime you think you know, just do your taxes. And then you'll be like, I for sure don't know. <laughs> That's a humbling experience. If you want to be like, if you're ever feeling like you have it two together, do your taxes. Yep. Yep. Amen. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate you being here, Kate. Thank you. You're welcome to come back anytime because this is, again, such an important topic. But it's so important that people like women, minorities, people of color are talking about this topic because otherwise, you know, it, it like all the C- and I'm squirreling off as I'm trying to wrap up, but like all the CPAs I know around me, all the financial offices, like it is old white men. 
And so how can I, like, even if I had the, mm-hmm. like, if, if I had the resources to go pay someone to do that kind of thing, you're not relatable. Mm-mm. It's, I mean, the system is made by a certain type of people that, and it will traditionally continue to benefit those exact same people. So, and that's like, we figure out a way to really make ourselves have a strong seat at the table. Like, that cycle will just continue. So anytime that we can interject ourselves or put ourselves into a situation that traditionally we weren't a part of, I think is is huge. Yeah. And people that have the resources to seek out like paid for financial advice, I highly recommend like finding a woman, finding someone right. of color. Find, like, there is right. a... Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you again. I'm sorry if I keep thank continuing you. it because I just want to keep chatting all morning. <laughs> um, next week, make sure you tune in. We are going to be welcoming, and we haven't had a chance to confirm um, how to pronounce her name, so I want to apologize in advance if I say it wrong. Uh, I think it's Rika Chaudhry. Um, she has a lot of experience in integrated care, which is like super close to my heart, so I'm really excited to talk about that. We're still nailing down and finalizing the topic. Uh, Make sure you hit the little notification button. Give us any comments or feedback. um, And we are happy to communicate those to Kate or if you have any questions about the episode. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.